So they both went out and departed, and the young man's dog was with them. Good evening, everybody. Hello, Jared. Hello, Spencer. Welcome to the Casual Heresy Podcast. This has been a long time in the making. I don't know how long your guest list for guest speakers or interviews has been, but I think my application has been kind of sitting out there for probably close to a year. Yeah, about 11, 10 months, somewhere around there. 10 or 11 months. So I don't know if you've been contacting my people or what kind of the slip up has been. Yeah, we we just finally got a hold of, of, of your people. Like, we had the wrong email address for you for a while. <laughs> blame, blame it on our people. <laughs> on your people? Yeah, it's, it, it's our people. <laughs> okay. Understandable. So, uh, Spencer, do you want to start us out in a prayer? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for Jared and his friendship. Thank you for this day. We thank you for all of our listeners. We thank you for the holy souls. And we pray that our our listeners are safe. Pray that we can have a fruitful conversation with Jared and that it may lift up you in your name, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. St. Isabel, pray for us. Pray for us. I think uh, St. Isabel is, and I don't know a lot about her, but my understanding is that she may or may not be the patron saint of the internet, but she may or may not also have predated the internet by several centuries <laughs> and i have absolutely no source text for this or any way to know this for sure so hey it works out <laughs> she'll answer our prayers anyway yes so i've heard that uh several seconds of quiet on a r- recording is like an eternity you know you ever listen to the radio and like you're driving and then it stops and like your heart stops for some reason like you're like what has happened have i lost signal you think about like all of the potential terrible things that could have happened causing you to lose signal and then it picks back up and you hear you know that commercial about like getting those cheap cars again yep yeah (laughs) and then then you're restored and your your hope and faith exactly dead air is bad dead air is bad a living air Living air is... Is that like an airbender? That sounds like the Holy Spirit to me. That does sound true. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is better than dead air. Mm-hmm. I wish uh, I wish I got that itinerary that uh, my people were working up on this conversation. <laughs> we can really power through all of these points. So, for some context, Jared is a good friend of ours for the past couple of years. Um, currently, he's living with Spencer and he serves on a a youth ministry core team with me so um yeah first off uh have you read anything good lately Mm -hmm. i've read read a couple books i've been trying to get into reading a little bit more so traditionally um i didn't spend a lot of time towards that i was trying to keep myself busy in other ways but i figured if i started reading read a couple books a year 
that would end up being quite a few books by the end of my lifetime. So uh, recently I read uh, St. Therese's Diary, Story of a Soul. It was very good. Uh, I've also read, I read a little bit of, uh, I tried to expand my horizons a little bit. I read a Hindu book that I'm going to butcher the name of, but it's the Bahadvagita Gita Hindu story about just kind of, I guess I would describe it as how to kind of follow your calling. So Jared, are you aware? Well, I know your answer, but are you aware of your, your ism? My ism? Yeah. I'm aware that there has been kind of this, uh, I think cult following would be way too generous of a term, but I'm aware that there are several people who are attributing beliefs quasi in my name by attaching my name to an ism, and these beliefs may or may not fully correlate with how I live my life, but may or may not be times in which I have misspoken and people have jumped on that moment to describe that as some sort of movement. So it's like a movement about jumping on misspoken terms of myself. Sounds like a Protestant denomination to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think it like all stems back to, I believe we're doing some sort of book study and I do not remember exactly what we were talking about, but I think I said a couple things along the lines of, I think I was trying to say something different, but I think I said the truth never lasts. Like somehow like the truth is like something that will get like, you know, like washed away or something like that. It's not. The first (laughs) commandment of Jaredism, the truth will never last. Truth never lasts. I think another kind of, I guess, maybe as we're coming up with kind of these main major groundwork kind of cornerstones of of this kind of movement that's not a movement or a movement about a movement that's not a movement yes um as we're talking about this i think another groundbreaking thought is the fact that life is pain and this is based on my many observances of like going out and jogging and going for you know long longer jogs you know three four five six seven eight nine ten mile jogs and meeting many many individuals along the way and as I would meet individuals you know I try to try to be friendly except for the fact that you know my body's being heavily drained by calories during these moments and um, you know my heart is racing and things like that and though it's a healthy activity it it feels very much near death Um, nothing compared to chess though nothing compared to chess Um, chess players actually I've heard burn upwards of 5,000 calories during a game is that accurate? Five. Yeah, al- allegedly. Allegedly. Not me. <laughs> so, 8, so I think we were discussing this, but that ranks it right up there with the most calorie burning things out there. I believe uh, yeah. bike riding, swimming, swimming, wrestling. running, wrestling, but number one is chess. Yeah. Best bang for your buck. Got to start playing chess, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my new diet plan. So, anyway, uh, on these long runs, I noticed many individuals who are also on runs or going for bike rides. And you would think this might be an enjoyable activity as they're in the outdoors and 
I didn't see any bears chasing them, so they seemed to be willingly doing these activities. So as I would see these fellow individuals doing these things, I would greet them. I'd smile at them, wave at them, say hello. And almost always, a very high hit ratio of my responses were individuals who would kind of stare blankly and deadly forward as they were continuing to trudge on during this completely voluntary activity. And at first, I I really didn't know what this meant. I, I didn't know what to make of this, but I think my main takeaway is that life must be pain. And these people, these people were, they were living it to the fullest. <laughs> and isn't that your uh, spiritual book? The book that uh, Jaredism is all, uh, you know, based off of? Isn't that book titled Life is Pain? And uh, currently that's in production. I am in the midst of writing that uh, in the midst of writing the truth. Writing the truth. So so one would think then that one of the most important sacred texts to Jaredism would be the book of Job. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Very good document. Speaking of death. <laughs> I may or may not have almost lost the computer here. <laughs> Life is pain. Life is pain. So... I think I think the book of Job is very good. It's a very good reflection of this. Job is doing, in, in the book of Job, if you're familiar, this is in the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament of the traditional Christian Bible. And Job is an upstanding, upstanding man, and, and then it all goes south. Life is pain. Life is pain. Life is pain. He, he's, he's doing everything everything he can and he thinks he's good and then one bad thing after another after another after another after another after another after another so anyway back to my manuscript that I'm working on actively actively (laughs) (laughs) Actively. Um, is that painful to do that as everything is just had to clarify the acronym of Jaredism that I came up with that I don't know if it's accepted yet into, you know, the Jaredism realm, but it must have come to me from Jared. It's the inner core. <laughs> the, the divine spirit. <laughs> yes. Just a revelation everyone did. Ism. <laughs> Just a revelation everyone did. Ism. Is it everyone did or everyone dead? Life is pain. <laughs> this this is perhaps one of the most true things that exists out there. <laughs> it's inescapable. <laughs> okay, okay. So this book on Hinduism that you read... <laughs> What uh, I'm, I'm curious as a, as a devout Catholic yourself, what made what what um, was your decision making process in which other religion to start reading about? I was, in all seriousness, uh, I was most interested because I had heard the book was about following one's calling, 
So in, uh, you know, in, in religion and in faith, um, we always think about like, where is the Lord calling us to be? And that's a very serious question. I think every, every young person who is not yet in their vocation considers this. And it's probably, I don't probably really like people can try to ignore it, but it's probably the most weighing thing on them. So it was something, I don't know, I've had a lot of conversations with people regarding vocation, what their calling might be. And I had heard that this text, though, it's from definitely a way different perspective, you know, like, and I, I know very little about uh, the culture of like in philosophy in the kind of Eastern hemisphere. I'm not very familiar with it, but I'd heard that that's kind of the main topic of, of this text. And it's a very ancient Hindu text that I had read. Bhagavad Gita, that's what it's called. And it's about this, this soldier who's about to go into battle and he does not believe in anything that he's fighting for. He's a warrior though. So he knows first off, right off the bat, that his job, his duty is to be a warrior and have this fight. But he's fighting against people who are his kin. It's very muddy that he is, he is on what he would call the right side. So he is very conflicted by this. He's very existential. And the Hindu god Krishna appears to him. And they have this very long, drawn-out conversation where Krishna talks to him about what his what it means for him to live out his life as a warrior. He talks a lot about things like duty, responsibility, and perhaps the most interesting thing that I think he talks about is detachment from fruits of your labor. So, in a lot of uh, in Christianity and Catholicism, you hear. Uh, Jesus speaks in the New Testament. He talks about like you'll know you'll know a good teacher by the fruits of their teachings, or similar to like a, I believe he the metaphor he uses is a tree in the fruits of the tree. You'll know. So, in this book, they talk about detachment from the fruits of your actions. So it's like doing the right thing and being not concerned, having no concern finding no joy in positive fruits, finding no despair in negative fruits. So it's a very interesting concept. Do you guys have any reactions to that? I don't know much, like you, like kind of like you hinted at, I don't personally know a whole lot about most Eastern religions. What I do know is that there are plenty of people who say that there is some value in much Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, that's kind of sounds like similar to what you got out of it too. Like mm-hmm. There was, there was value in this, even if the theology isn't what I believe there's mm-hmm. value in, in the lessons learned, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And there's obvious differences. I found obvious differences in, um, the belief of reincarnation is uh, obviously different than kind of, we kind of view life as we have one shot at it, but they talk about like the fact like reincarnation maybe allows you the freedom or the the freedom to kind of live a life kind of most centered on what you're supposed to do. But I see the connection in that, um, you know, as we believe that we only have kind of this one life that gives you the urgency to live life as it's supposed to be lived. Mm -hmm. So I think there's definitely similarities in concept. And yeah, I definitely would be, I would be wrong to say that I could really sum up, uh, text like this without having a lot of the background text that would that would allow me to 
really understand what is being said, but it's very interesting. Like the focus being very heavily on things like discipline and doing so regardless. So that's why, I mean, I don't fully understand, but I would say things like yoga are being disciplined and being at peace. And that's kind of more the goal is being at peace and doing the right thing and not so much experiencing the highs or lows. Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously there's elements of that in in Catholicism too. Like we're supposed to be steadfast in our faith, whether we're in a a good place or a bad place, whether we just went on an awesome retreat or whether our dog just died, we're supposed to, we're supposed to just hold, hold steady, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that, and I, I can definitely see some parallels in it as well in that aspect. I almost see it kind of, um, you know, as I read, I mentioned I read uh, St. Therese's readings. She seems to find, she seems to find joy in everything. She finds goodness in the good, but she sees where where God is working in the bad as well, and rejoices in that as well. So I see a lot of parallels in that. Though I would say, like, like this book from Hindu culture would kind of urge her to avoid experiencing the highs because because traditionally that that will the lows will come around too so it's definitely a very interesting read i don't know if i don't know if i'll continue to read books like this but it was definitely outside of what i've traditionally read Hmm. it's interesting i think one of the i think one of the things that makes it a little bit easier is they seem to um i think and i could be wrong but i think in uh, cultures like that um it is uh one typically is more aware of what they are called to do. So the basis for this story is that I believe the main character, I'm going to say this wrong, but I think his name is Arjuna. Arjuna knows he's a warrior. So one of the difficulties we have in kind of this, uh, in our existential world is that we don't quite know what we are first, Mm -hmm. but he knows he's a warrior. And that means that he has to fight. That's essentially what it comes down to. He has to live that out, whether it's right or wrong. But he has to live it out. He has to fight the fight. It's like in his definition as a warrior. So for him to flee, he's no longer living it out as a warrior. I think the struggle often like in more Western culture, Western philosophy is finding out what you are. Are you a warrior? What are you? Hmm. And that's that might be the more difficult part. Once you figure that out... Not that it's easy to fight the fight even when it's hard, but that might that might be a big, big connection point. Yeah, like you could compare it to Christianity in that, are you Christian? And if so, are you holding those values or are you just plastering that over your profile? Mm-hmm. And you think of like people that, I mean, if you read a, um, I've not finished St. Augustine's Confessions, but he talks about people in that book that have have heard simply, I think it uh, might be St. Anthony, heard the gospel once, one time, one passage, and gives up everything, and everything changes. Or you think about somebody like St. Francis, who, who hears, I mean, uh, knows what the Lord has in store for him, gives up everything. You know, he he comes from, right, I believe he has a wealthy family, and he gives it all up. And 
chooses a life of absolute severe poverty because that is the best way for him to him to spread the gospel so it's like that's kind of the excitement the adventure of kind of finding your calling finding your calling with the lord yeah like even you mentioned um saint augustine um his conversion moment where he in the garden and he asked himself like what am i doing with my life and from then he just turns it all around goes back to africa with his friends and lives as a christian not as a i don't know what he was at that point kind of nothing but um worldly yeah worldly secular and and it's not like it's not like he was not succeeding at living a very successful secular life he is especially in that time right he's a professor of rhetoric and at that time especially that would have been a very prestigious position um he i believe i could be wrong but i believe he is uh i don't know quite how you describe the relationship but i definitely i think he's courting the daughter of a successful politician or something to that extent as well um he has a lot of things going for him and he doesn't find truth in it. And as a man of, of rhetoric and studies, he, do, he, he can't continue with that. He has to search for the truth. And he, he finds truth, but that does not mean, you know, he says we're, we're restless. He was still restless because we're not, he says we're, what is the quote? Do you remember it? We're restless until we're in the arms of the Father. Something to that extent? Yes, I think it's, um, my soul is restless until it rests in you. Okay, you have your Bible open, and that reminded me of something. Um, uh, a couple years back, I was in Jared's Bible study, and we had a very long discussion about what the best book in the Bible is. Um, I kind of like to go on record and settle this once and for all, even though I know we're not going to settle it, but I'd still like to discuss it. <laughs> Yeah, because we did have like a bracket <laughs> trying to decide this. Yeah, I think uh, we gathered what I would describe as uh, the world's, probably the world's top theologians, um, a.k.a. Um, several college dudes. Um, <laughs> and I think we use very, very traditional voting mes- methods like uh, messenger polls, I believe. Yep. Yeah, it was, I think it was messenger polls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I, I don't know how we can dispute the results that we got I don't think, at that point. I don't think there were any dead people that voted or anything. <laughs> Hopefully no invalid ballots. Well, what was the result? The result the result was the Gospel of John. But the Gospel of John narrowly beat out the Gospel of Luke to get there. And that's where I take issue with it. I'm not 100% sure if I agree with your definition of narrowly beating out. I think it was fair... Was it narrow? I was thinking it wasn't super narrow. What were what were the top four? Genesis was in there. Yeah, I think I think I set it up where Matthew on one John? end it was the Old Testament, and the other end was the New Testament. So it was more oh. apples to apples in comparison. So mm-hmm. I think it was the final four was Exodus, Genesis, John, and Luke. Yep. So that seems. Um, I think the voting criteria may or may not have been, I don't think it was super specific. It wasn't, we didn't clarify what, what we were going for. I think it was just kind of broad. 
I think it was just happening. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> Nonetheless. I, I still hold, personally, that the Gospel of Luke is better than the Gospel of John. That's just my personal view. Is the is the Magnificat in Luke? Yes. That's pretty cool. I like that. And and the Gospel of Luke has a sequel. Acts. The, the Book of Apostles Acts. Is, yeah. it, it directly references it as the first book mm-hmm. of I, the Gospel. I, mm, I'm not sure if that's good so would you say that maybe um the godfather is a better film than say something like casablanca because the godfather has a good sequel is that what you're is that what you're alleging having never seen either film yes having having seen both films actually all three films they're all just really good. Would recommend. <laughs> that's where I'm at. I think, but sort of like how you're saying, all of them are good. Every piece of God's word is good. Oh, for sure, the act of trying to determine which books of the Bible are better is great content for a podcast called Casual Heresy, <laughs> because I think I think the whole concept mm-hmm. of ranking them. I felt generally uncomfortable doing so at the time, but I thought the potential for good conversation and discussion on the books was worth whatever level of probably lack of uh, respect for. And there were, I remember, was caused. there were a couple that just really quickly got shot down that I didn't expect, like Daniel went down like in the first round and i was like really i feel i feel like there was not a lot of love for the gospel of mark yeah which was kind of surprising to me well and i'm i'm a really big fan of uh, song of songs or song of solomon mm-hmm. and i don't know what causes people not to love scriptural love poetry but it did not receive as much love as is in that book or love thy neighbor so I hope you're enjoying my audition on the podcast, and then hopefully I can get a regular segment where I do something like the weather. <laughs> <laughs> and now to Jared for the weather. So, did you say it was oppressing your soul earlier? <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I did say something about uh, how gloomy it looked outside. It kind of looked like it was uh, it was weighing on my soul a little bit, the way the weather was. In kind of a more Jaredistic ismish way. But as Tom Petty says, you're just learning to fly. I was going to say, break down. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and give it to me. Break down. <laughs> I think the actual reason you had your Bible open, though, is you wanted to talk about something in Revelation, I think you mentioned. Well, mostly I had my Bible with because I desired to go to prayer after this. (laughs) And I thought it might be a valuable source text for our conversation. Mm. We can talk about the book of Revelation. I I mostly, actually my original thought was that we could open the podcast with me in a monotone voice reading like a bizarre line from... From Ruth? I have the book of Tobit open. But I did not, I didn't have the preparation time to find a verse that would be super worthy of that. I want to find the one where where he talks about his dog. Because the book of Tobit's so awesome, they talk about their, yeah, there we go. 
So they both went out and departed, and the young man's dog was with them. Life is pain. Amen. <laughs> if you want to con- continue our absurd conversation from earlier about Jaredism and kind of this thought and this concept that life is pain, I think uh, I think we can we can return and circle back as they often do in Eastern philosophy to the main point of the book in which I had read the Bhagavad Gita. Life is pain just to try to pronounce that. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I I maybe more or less practice how to say that like three times on my way over here. <laughs> None of them were successful. Neither have been the attempts during this podcast. So my general thoughts involving that are it talks about pursuing things despite how they feel. So I think if I can combine kind of my thoughts about life being pain and being painful with the idea that we're supposed to ignore that entirely, I think I think that is probably the only path forward. Recognizing that life is pain and then despite that continuing and ignoring not rejoicing in the lack of pain and not not dwelling in the pain. Sounds very heretical. T pain. I feel like there's more absurd Bible verses we could read out of context as well. Or I don't know if the verses themselves are absurd, but out of context, it will sound like I have no clue what's going on. I think there's some nuggets in Proverbs that are like that. They're Thou just like, shall not kill. <laughs> See that? That's just like straightforward. <laughs> it's like, why? Why would the Lord say such a thing? <laughs> what could it mean? <laughs> Oh, I really enjoy, I really jo- enjoy in the book of Genesis. Uh, let me see if I can find find the part. But um, God is God has made His covenant covenant with Abraham, and He's told Abraham that He's going to be the father of many nations, and He has no children. And Abraham is, needless to say, a little uh, concerned about this. And then 10 years pass, and he's very concerned about this. And then 13 years pass, and he's reached an absurd stage where um, the Lord the Lord says this again. He reaffirms him, and Abraham laughs at him. And then it gets better. Not better for Abraham just yet, but it gets better. The story gets better. Um, for Jaredism. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but um, so God is talking to Abraham and they're just, they're just, I guess, uh, I don't know, I guess Abraham went outside to talk to God. So, you know, like when you get a phone call and the polite thing to do is to go outside. So I assume he's like in their tent chilling and Sarah's in there and then he gets similar to like a phone call from the Lord. He's like, oh, okay, one second, I'm going to walk outside. I, I don't know what type of ringtone that would make. Abraham, exit your tent. <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, then he goes outside. He goes outside, and he has this conversation with the Lord. The Lord's reminding him again that that he will be the father of many nations. 
and Sarah's in the tent, and I assume she's trying not to eavesdrop on Abraham and the Lord, but she is a little bit, and she like hears that, and um, she she is fairly doubtful at this point because this has kind of been what the Lord has been telling them for 23 years at this point, I believe. So she she's a little hesitant to believe it. So she she laughs. She laughs when the Lord says that, and. Well, the Lord, knowing all things, hears her laugh and questions Abraham and says something like, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah is in the tent and she definitely not eavesdropping on the conversation, butts in and says that I didn't laugh. She really, must be really nervous because imagine like being called out. Like that's like when you're a kid in school and you say something really dumb and then the teacher calls you out, and then you realize that no one else is laughing. <laughs> so you freeze, like you just right there. So I assume, I assume that's how she felt. And then God getting the final word and said, but thou didst laugh. Then he carries on the conversation. <laughs> I just, I feel but real. you did laugh. <laughs> yeah. He gets the last word in. <laughs> so I just, I, I really feel for Sarah in that moment because... She definitely got like called out by the Lord for giggling at what he said. And she she tried to lie about it, but she found the wrong person to lie about it to. They're blessed with a child. And his name was Isaac. Which means What does it mean? He laughs. Does it? I'm pretty sure. Somebody Google that. Correct. Wow, I somehow said that entire story without knowing the punchline of the joke in which I was telling. <laughs> Talk about something being providential. <laughs> but they're they were they're overcome with joy at the moment in which uh, which Isaac is born. As you would be, because weren't they both in their nineties? They're really old, yeah. I think at some point Sarah's like seventy five, and I don't know if that's at the beginning of the story or towards the end, but. She was definitely not expecting to have a child, and she left. But <laughs> guess who got the last laugh? Isaac, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he does all right for himself. Some of the details in these stories from the Old Testament are very, very interesting. Like, for for that story, like, all these details about these silly details about laughing – um, they got passed on orally from generation to generation. Like someone found it important enough to keep that detail in there to continue to pass it down. For like thousands of years. For like, for like a really long time. Moses found it important enough to record it. <laughs> so I'm glad that people, this is just a true sense that people have had a huge sense of humor for a really, really long time. And I'm glad that they I'm glad that they've kept these small tidbits in there for me to enjoy while I'm seriously considering the meanings of scripture, but also to find humor in it as well. <laughs> Is there a pickup line about the book of numbers? Yeah. There better be. Yeah. Okay. I was just just making sure that that it's wasn't like, It's like a really cringy pickup line though. Oh. So I can do it if you want. No, that's not necessary. I just wanted to make sure that that base was covered. Hey, Jared. Hey, Spencer. 
I was uh, reading the book of numbers and realized I didn't have yours. But um, check. <laughs> and a one and a two and a one, two, three. Hold on, Spencer's buffering. <laughs> <laughs> you can kind of see it. You ever see the spinning wheel of death on the on the keyboard where it's like, I guess it's rainbow colored, so you'd think it's cheery, but I've referred to it as the spinning wheel of death because of, obviously, I must have a negative outlook on life based off of our whole conversation. Because life is pain. Because life is pain. Life being pain as such. That is the question. It can't be the cheery buffering wheel of happiness if life is pain. <laughs> Imagine, imagine working at, I'm not sure if that, uh, is that Microsoft or Apple, Apple, imagine working there and thinking, wow, so people are going to spend, when they see this, they know that what they clicked on and want to do is not going to happen anytime soon. So how can we comfort them in that moment? And then somebody in this boardroom full of, I would assume just people in business suits, people who have people in business suits somebody was like rainbow <laughs> rainbow spinning rainbow i think on the old apple computers it wheel used to of be fortune like an hourglass that would tip back and forth are we getting a call in hey jared you want to pray the rosary with me we could have decades of sorrow hashtag life is pain and very conveniently very conveniently. <laughs> I was trying to think of uh, a pickup line with decades and rosaries and like joyful or something, yeah, but I couldn't that. think of it. But then I thought of the Jaredism version. Mm-hmm. Because well, the rosa- yeah. Conveniently, it is Tuesday, and the appropriate mysteries for praying the rosary would be the sorrowful mysteries. And in that instant, life is not pain because we are correct, or we're correctly searching for truth. To some extent, all of the mysteries are joyful. On a serious note, yeah. (laughs) I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure I've spent the entire podcast talking in what I assume an NPR voice is. (laughs) Though I'm not a listener of NPR, so this is my best attempt. And we weren't even talking about Afghanistan this time. (laughs) (laughs) Was that last week? I mean, I've done, weeks my, ago. <laughs> I've done my research after listening to the entire catalog of your podcasts. If you guys want to, you could listen to us on any podcast app that you got or YouTube. And you can support us on Patreon. This is true. Just go to the Life Cheers underscore casual heresy Patreon and support us you'll get exclusive content and other fun stuff hopefully soon but the content's here and the patreon's there (laughs) and jaredism is happening so you mentioned that you haven't been listening to podcasts why is that so currently i am i believe sometimes you lose track when you're in the desert um I believe I'm on my 17th day of doing Exodus 90. And for those at home who don't know what Exodus 90 is? It's a 90-day. It was originally started by, I believe, a 
somebody in seminary. I don't know if it was someone leading a seminary, something to that extent. But for seminarians, people who are learning and training to become priests of the Catholic Church. So they came up with a 90-day fast that in, includes many different things, fasting from many different things that prepares prepares people for, prepares them to grow in their relationship with the Lord. So I'm on about day 17. There's three aspects of it. The first being, first being prayer. Um, every day they have uh, readings through the book of Exodus, hence the name Exodus 90, about the Egyptians and Moses, Moses and the Hebrew people in Egypt and their experience there as they are delivered from slavery. That is one of kind of, I guess, the three pillars of Exodus 90. Another being asceticism. So it's saying no to many of the things out there that we find comfort in and changing all of those kind of redirecting all of that towards the Lord, finding more comfort in the Lord and less so in things these earthly comforts. So that list is fairly long. Um, my favorite being uh, no warm showers. I have to take cold showers. Other things on the list include uh, no desserts, no sweet drinks, no snacking, fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, regular exercise, sleep. You have to get uh, recommended seven hours of sleep. Um, Music. Yeah, only music that is uplifting to the soul. That applies to things like podcasts as well. No television or televised sports or Netflix. Social media, no. No social media. So I, won't, I likely won't be able to listen to this podcast. Until? Until I emerge from the desert on Christmas Day. Another aspect of it is fraternity, so I'm doing it with several other people. And part of that is because... We're not able to do these things. We're not able to do these things on our own. We need support and community. And most of all, we need to rely on the Lord. So I was just doing a reflection from the book uh, Imitation of Christ yesterday that was talking about talking about how the most common phrase in the Bible is be not afraid. Be not afraid. And it talks about how we don't have to be afraid, not because not because of anything we are capable of, but because of everything that the Lord is capable of. And further in that chapter, I believe it was uh, chapter 9, for those of you following at home in your copies of Imitation of Christ, um, in, in that chapter it also talks about how things like asceticism and mostly just are saying no to temptation – need to be something that causes us causes us not pride but humility because we need to know that the lord blesses us with our ability to say no to these things and it's not of our own ability for left alone i mean you think about adam and eve in the garden they eat of the fruit of the garden and that's when they try to do it on their own so if we try to do it on our own, I think it's similar also to in the Gospels when Jesus says that Jesus says that he talks about the hypocrites who pray in the streets and they receive their own end. So if you do things 
if you do things like fasting or things like Exodus 94 for things like pride or validation, you'll get that, but you're not actually you're not actually allowing yourself to grow in holiness. That should probably be accompanied with a feeling of humility as you realize that the Lord takes up a larger portion of your life. You allow the Lord to do so. And these other things, including pride, including things of this earth, take up a smaller portion. St. Paul says that, um, I believe that, St. Paul says that he... He is, he is small, and the Lord is big, right? So Saul means... I can't remember which one's which. Saul means great one, I think, yeah. and Paul means little one. Humility and being, in, in that example, smaller, and allowing the Lord to be larger in your life. This is, now I feel, I feel kind of silly saying this afterwards, but that has been somewhat my experience thus far. I feel like... Um, though it's very early, I'm only about two and a half weeks in, I feel like this, this time has been humbling, not maybe so much. I, I keep forgetting that I'm doing certain fasting and things like that because I realize that the things of life, the things of this earth, like the experiences, the people, the things like that are so much vastly more important than whether or not I had creamium, creamer in my coffee and those things are little details that I keep forgetting because I think they all are, they're forgettable. They're not important. And life just generally has felt kind of humbling. Life has humbled me during this stretch. Or I like to, th- I try to think so. So then reflecting upon when I read an imitation of the Christ, I thought this seems to be potentially the right right path the right thought so it's been been a good experience thus far very early i'm only only i think about 17 out of 90 days so it's very early i feel like every single day every single day there's continued opportunity to temptation continues to come it doesn't cease coming it just becomes perhaps easier to say no to things like that as I realize how little important things like that are. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Well, um, should we wrap this up in a prayer? All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the gift of your love. We ask you to Allow us to ever grow closer to you through each other. We ask you to bless those who listen to this podcast, that it might lift them higher. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget to send us topics over the email to follow life cheers on instagram youtube tiktok anywhere and go listen to the podcast anywhere <laughs> youtube or any podcast uh, platform and we appreciate jared as a guest and he will be back
God willing. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. From us to you. God bless. Peace.